everyone and welcome back to the Life Bath podcast. This is the penultimate episode of series one. How crazy is that? So thank you for listening and thank you for all your support. As always, thank you to Relish Cafe in Whitley Bay, who are our lovely sponsor. They are starting this coffee subscription service soon, so I will definitely be signing up for that because I have a slight addiction to subscription boxes every month, but also because their coffee is amazing. So make sure you head over to relishcoffee.co.uk for more information on that. This week's topic is something that I'm passionate about and that needs to be talked about a lot more, and that is just plain old periods and why everyone needs to stop being embarrassed about mentioning periods and thinking that it's something that we need to hide. Also, more needs to be done to help with the cost burden of having your period, especially in young teenagers. And that leads on to this week's guest. So today I chat to the lovely Jenny, who is a volunteer for the Red Box Project, which is a non-for-profit organisation that helps supply schools with sanitary products for girls that may not have access to these products when they're on their period. And the stats on young girls missing school because of not having the right products when they're on their period is really upsetting. And this is something that we chat about. So keep listening and enjoy my chat with Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on um, and just to talk about all things periods. Yay. We love them. Yes. (laughs) And which people should talk about a lot more um, and we need to kind of get rid of the stigma um, on periods and people feeling ashamed to talk about it or embarrassed to talk about it. So I just thought we'd we'd start by um, getting your opinion on uh, why we should talk about periods a lot more. Because we all have them. Well, half of us have them, I should say. <laughs> um, it's such a fact of life to have a period um, if you're a woman of a certain age, and that's a lot of women. And it's literally nothing to be embarrassed about or ashamed of, yet it still persists, this kind of shame and stigma attached to periods. We mustn't talk about them. We must walk through the office with our tampon up our sleeve and not let anyone see yeah. and talk about it in kind of hushed tones. And if you're struggling with it or you've got terrible cramps or anything like that, you can't let anyone know. And it's just, it's so outdated in its kind yeah. of attitude that we mustn't talk about it. Yeah. And it it has this kind of terrible knock-on effect of affecting people's mental health and well-being mm-hmm. because of the shame that they might have. And it's particularly difficult for teenage girls and especially yeah. those young girls having their periods for the first time and maybe having other issues that are compounding factors that yeah. make life more difficult for them. And, you know, it, it doesn't help to brush it all under the carpet and pretend that it's this dirty secret that... yeah happens to too many people to be a dirty secret yeah and and definitely like going if we sort of talk about our first periods yeah um and it was that embarrassment because I remember mine clear as day um I had like really weird pains at school um didn't understand what they were like it was like back pain Mm. and I remember saying to my teacher like I've got this really horrendous back pain I don't know what it is um and she must have known but she didn't say anything to me of kind of uh, you know it could be this it was like it was not mentioned it was just like oh maybe take some paracetamol um see how you are it didn't didn't get any better and I was just like, I'm, I'm gonna have to go home like I'm in like serious pain and I just didn't understand what it what it was um went home obviously went to the toilet I'd had I'd had my period and I sat at the top of the stairs for a good 45 minutes to an hour 
plucking up the courage to to, to tell my mum to come oh, upstairs. Yeah. But it's it's I'm like I'm open with my mum. It's mm-hmm. not like I was scared or wor- it was just that I was just it was like it, it was embarrassing. And I remember coming upstairs and uh, and then I, I told her and I was like, please don't tell Davy, which was is my stepdad. I was like, please don't tell Davy, oh, please yeah. don't tell mm-hmm. Davy. And it's just like you you don't want like men to know mm-hmm. that you've got periods, even though their mothers had periods they've had wives and girlfriends that have all had periods but I was just I was like don't don't tell him don't tell him and it's just crazy that you have this this worry and then for for subsequent every time you had your period you'd always like be hiding it or worried and even as an adult you're completely right you'd be at work you'd need a tampon or you'd put it in your bag you'd have to take your bag to the Mm -hmm. toilet and it's just it's just crazy so I mean what was your experience when you were younger with with all of that I I think I was I'm sure I was 12 when I started <laughs> um and it, again it was lucky very lucky to have the open relationship with my mum that I, I already kind of knew to expect it when yeah. it happened because we'd been able to talk about it beforehand which is so important to kind of have that education from a relatively young age because girls as young as nine and ten can start their yeah. periods um there's no point in waiting until they're already at secondary school because by then you know, it's too late for a lot of yeah. them. And if, without that kind of advanced warning, if you like, what to expect and how terrible and frightening it can be that first time, it's really difficult. But I think having that home support mm-hmm. from my mum was vital in, in making sure that I knew what to expect and then was able to deal with it when it happened. Um, and to think what it must be like for girls that don't have that mm-hmm. or have a difficult relationship with their parents or maybe only live with their dad, maybe. And like you say, it's difficult to talk to dads and men in general about it and they don't want to know all the gory details so I was very lucky I think and then um having a kind of close group of friends at school really helps yes um I think if you're in that position whereby you're perhaps not one of the popular ones at school and again it's another stigmatizing factor that people might look down on you or think that you're a bit weird if you started too early and yeah teenage girls can be cruel I remember that a lot I remember I found an old diary and I remember in the diary it was like a list of all my friends that had started their periods and it was like I want to start my period I was like desperate desperate to start my period I was like why on earth was I desperate so and so is wearing an underwire bra she's got like a b cup now and it's like oh my god this competition of puberty but it but it was but I think it is that stigma like I had friends that started really young and they were the very first out of our friendship group and then you've got people that were were, were last in, in starting their period and it's just opening up that conversation isn't it to 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 have it where there's there's no stigma you, you've got people to be able to go to and even sort of men as well of not thinking um or it's it's gory it's this it's that it's just a part of life and if they're more comfortable talking about it then it will help their daughters and be able to to not worry about having to to talk about periods in mm-hmm. front of either their boyfriends or their male friends um and just be able to be open about it a huge part of it is the education around it so if you if you think back to your sex education lessons in a bit of commas that you would have had at school and it would be like splitting up the girls and the boys yeah. and the girls i remember they showed us um putting a tampon in a glass of water so that you could see how it expanded. Yeah. And everyone's eyes just like widening in horror, like, what is that? Yeah. I'm not putting that inside me. Um, and like putting a condom on a banana, for yeah. example. And yeah. it's like all these things that they showed us. And we never knew what they told the boys. It was nope. like this kind of secret. We mustn't show them the same thing. They need yeah. to be told things in a different way. And it's, I don't think that's a helpful way to do things. Yeah. 
normalizing things like periods by having the girls and the boys together and talking about it in a kind of grown-up environment i mean you're gonna get the sniggerers at the back that are thinking it's hilarious yeah of course or gross or whatever but to have that kind of normalizing conversation around it so that they know that it's nothing that they need to keep secret from the boys and uh-huh. then the boys know what the girls are going through yeah and how they can help really i think that yeah. should be part of an education of of sort of if you've got women in your life this is this is what happens and this is how you can help the situation if needs be and Mm -hmm. kind of understanding the hormones around periods as well I think it's not just the physical act of having a period I think it's not men don't understand as much uh the the kind of weeks building up and Mm -hmm. how it can physically affect women's bodies and and how it can affect your mind and uh it 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 is something that, that really needs to be understood more and I'm not sure how much of that is taken into account in schools mm-hmm. as well in terms of how it can affect like their academic performance and all sorts of things like that. So if they're, if they're suffering really badly, badly with cramps every month uh, and obviously they can't concentrate on what they're doing at school if they're in pain or if they're having really bad emotional PMT, yeah, that's completely debilitating if you're going through something like that and especially for a teenage girl with so much else going on. Yeah. Um, and then if they're having issues, particularly with having uh, problems at home or um, the poverty issue, which I know we'll, we'll go on to talk about, it kind of all can pile on top of them to the point where they think, well, I'm, not, I'm just not going to go to school mm-hmm. while I'm, I'm on my period. It's too embarrassing. Uh, what if I leak through my skirt, for example? Or what if I haven't got any spare pants? Uh, I haven't got enough uh, pads or I can't get access to anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay off and stay at home. And then they could be missing a week of school every yeah. month. And that obviously has a huge knock-on effect for their education and for their well-being and their social integration and all sorts of things. And it quickly can cause a massive problem for them. Yeah. So that leads perfectly on to kind of what you do with with helping uh, the charity, uh, the Red Box Project. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about the Red Box Project. So the Red Box Project is, um, it's never actually been a registered charity it started as a kind of community initiative down in Portsmouth. So there was like a small group of friends down there. Right. Obviously recognised an issue in their community and kind of thought, well, maybe we can do something about this to help out this poverty issue that we know is prevalent in our town. So they started uh, this little community red box project, which was basically literally taking a kind of red uh, plastic box full of sanitary products into their local schools and saying, here you go, this is for the girls that might need to access them and who are struggling to otherwise. Um, went down really well in Portsmouth. Um, and then friends of theirs who lived elsewhere in the country were kind of like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. Like maybe we could do something similar where we live. Mm-hmm. And then kind of quite quickly, it ballooned almost to this point where um, once they got onto social media and started saying, maybe you could do something like this where you live, they got people saying, oh yeah, I'd like to help with this. One of whom was me. So this was about uh, 18 months ago. Um, I saw something on Facebook um, asking for volunteer coordinators to help start red box projects in your own area. Um, there was nothing in Newcastle. So I thought uh, it would be a useful thing to do, not really realizing at that point what I was taking on. But essentially, it revolves around kind of harnessing that kindness of the community. And there is a lot of it. And there's some very generous people who want to help. And um, we've been very grateful for that. Um, basically harnessing their generosity to um, donate uh, menstrual products, so pads, tampons, spare pants, um, and providing those to local schools. 
um, free of charge, literally a mixed box of products um, with some pants. And you give them posters to put up in the girls' toilets to say, this is where the box is, you can go and ask for it. And then the girls can go and take whatever they want out of it for what they need to get them through their period. Right. And we don't dictate what that is. It's It can be an emergency because they've been caught short yeah. and they're fine till they get home. Or it could be that they need two whole packs of pads to get them through. Um, it's a kind of no questions asked, whatever people need yeah. policy, if you like. Um, and then there's that that kind of goes hand in hand then with the support from the school so that they're on board with allowing the girls to come and get things. And, and it just helps to open up that conversation around periods in in that school. Yeah. Because we try and encourage them to maybe have an assembly with the kids or weave it into that sex education. Yeah. Um, lessons so that it opens up that conversation, removes some of that stigma and the taboo around it. Um, and also actually helps these girls that are living in quite difficult situations in some circumstances. Yeah, because I think that it's it's the, the period poverty, isn't it? That 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 not everyone can afford the products that you need mm-hmm. to be able to look after yourself when you're on your period. And I think uh, I didn't experience this when I was when I was at school age because I was lucky enough to to have have parents that that helped me and, and supplied those products. I do remember being at university and it being a problem mm-hmm. when I was living away from home and I had absolutely no money and it I got got my period and the the price that that some of these products are it's it's crazy and I, I can't imagine what it must be like when you're a young teen when you're not making your own money and mm-hmm. and you, your parents aren't there or or can't support you in that way and it, it must be quite a strain on 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 the young girls it is and um, we're all probably more than aware of the level of food bank use mm-hmm. locally um, and it's just an extension of that really so for families struggling to get by and put food on the table chances are that they're struggling to pay for what you might call luxury items such as sanitary products um being as expensive as they can be and it's we get quite a lot of well the the other projects do I don't think I've fortunately had too much personally quite a bit of criticism saying well you can just go and buy like Tesco value pads and they're like 29p or something for a pack and it's such a kind of misunderstanding of the complexities of periods really and assuming that a, a pack of horrible fat maxi pads yeah like those really old-fashioned like putting a pillow between your legs kind of yeah will do for a 13 14 year old girl it's a false economy really as well because they won't those things won't be as absorbent as some of the more expensive ones they won't be fit for purpose for most of the girls and to say that well just go and buy a cheap pack it's like why should they be denied that choice of what is right for them exactly exactly they want to be comfortable Mm -hmm. and they want to be able to feel that they can do all the same things that they could have done when they're not on the period, like the the old period advert yeah. used to tell us, like we can we can ride a horse and we can ride a bike and you I don't have to worry. So much. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's like you don't worry in your period; you can do whatever. Put you your want. white shorts on, off you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get your white jeans on, and everything's <laughs> fine. But they, they but they shouldn't have to feel like they've got to have these cheap, nasty pads that they can't put skirts on or jeans on just because they 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 can't have access to the the, the same sort of good quality mm-hmm. sanitary products that, that other people have access to. And that only adds to the stigma as well. If they're seen to be using these horrible cheap things. Yeah. It doesn't help because people then know that they can't afford to have anything better. Yeah. And if they're already ashamed of their inability to pay for stuff, it can be really upsetting for them. Yeah, definitely. So how many schools in the in the northeast have you got on board so far with it? 
Oh, well, we've, we've spread quite far and wide because when I first started, there were fewer coordinators in the Northeast in general. Um, so I've got maybe it's about 25 schools um, local to Newcastle. And then I had to do uh, a couple of drops to Morpeth because there was nobody up in Northumberland at that point. So I've done Morpeth and then down to Sunderland, um, I had to do one. Um, but mostly it's centred on Newcastle. There's a separate project in North Tyneside, so they right. are covered by separate volunteer coordinators, fortunately, because at first I started out with Newcastle and North Tyneside and quickly realised that was a massive patch with a lot of schools in it. Yeah. And when you're working full-time as well, Monday to Friday, as I do, trying to fit in the kind of drop-offs in school hours was also really difficult to manage. And the more... Um, uh, publicity that we've had and the more people have offered to help it, I've just been like pulled from pillar to post trying to collect donations from people mm. and then get them to the schools and it's been really quite difficult to manage as it's got bigger which is great because yeah. we've been able to help loads of people but yeah um I think um I probably would have done with an extra pair of hands yeah for I mean my husband is a teacher as well um locally so obviously when he finishes his school day sometimes he's able to go in do drops at schools for me yeah um, he dropped off a whole um load of pads at uh, Gossus academy um last week for me because they'd run out so um yeah I, i've had some help along the way but it is it is really popular now yeah and it just shows that the need is there yeah and in areas that you wouldn't necessarily consider so obviously Gossus, mm-hmm. where i live um you get kids coming in from quite far and wide and not all of them are going to be from well-off Mm-hmm. families um so you, you can't assume that just because the school seems to be in a, a well-off area that it doesn't have kids that still have that need and yeah. it's, it's about that no questions asked yeah that's thing. the main thing isn't it it's just that if they need it then it's there for them to be able to um to access it and if they feel like they need it then no questions exactly. asked. exactly and you don't always know it. why they might need it as well because it's not always about the money i mean they could have all sorts of difficult home situations yeah. which makes them feel that they can't ask for support mm-hmm. at home so you know you can't you can't always assume the reason why they need it how do people donate? So what are all the different ways that, that everyone listening can can get involved in, and start um, being able to donate sanitary products? So uh, the best way that I've taken donations in is through kind of workplace collections. So people working in offices or um, a few that were working in shops just saying, we would like to help, like between all of us as a, as a work team, we'd like to make some donations and they collect them all in from everyone that works there. And then either I I go and pick them up or they can get them to me. Um, so if anyone wants to do a workplace collection for anything in their place of work, that's an ideal way to help because it's quite easy for people to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it tends to get as a good batch of products all in one go. Yeah. Um, I've also been really lucky to have the support of Newcastle City Council. So they were able to um, put a donation point in the Civic Centre and in the City Library in town. Um, so that was really helpful. And we had loads of donations coming in from the council staff, obviously, because a lot of people work at the Civic Centre yeah. as well as being a drop-off. So they've been hugely supportive and I've got loads from them. Um, and then I had quite a good few donations come from Newcastle and Northumbria Universities, again, from the different departments there, the people that were yeah. there wanting to help. So they've come in from all over, but if people want to help, that's the, the best way to do it. Yeah. What I would say is perhaps we're not in as great a need of donations now as we once were Mm -hmm. um, because we're going to have a bit of a shelf life on on the project ultimately um, with the bit of good news that the government is going to be funding 
sanitary products for all primary and secondary schools from early next year. Yeah, so that's 2020, isn't it? So so tell us sort of a little bit more about what the government have, have promised. Yeah, well, as much as you can trust <laughs> what the government <laughs> promised, but we're, we have it on good authority that they're going to follow through on this. Um, so as part of the Red Box project, we've, uh, the, the original kind of HQ team in Portsmouth, if you like, have been uh, instrumental in um, kind of lobbying the government for um, funding for schools. Mm-hmm along with a, a brilliant other range of um, period charities um, and organisations who've kind of lobbied all together for this kind of the free periods movement it, it yeah. became. Um, and successfully in the end, so the government caved eventually and realised that there was enough kind of reason um, and enough uh, demand for the products in schools. So in the spring statement, they um, said that they were going to provide um, sanitary products to all secondary schools from next year. Um, and then with kind of an extra bit of a push, they acknowledged that the need would probably be there in primary schools as well. Right. Okay. So as of next year, it's going to be all primary, secondary and colleges um, in England, because Scotland and Wales have already got their own yeah. arrangements, um, will be provided with free or funded, I should say, sanitary yeah. products. Um, so our understanding is that will kind of come into place from January next year. So... Obviously, come the end of this year, Redbox Project, in theory, isn't going to be needed in the same way anymore. So yeah. they, they, we've agreed to kind of step back and let the government fulfil on its uh, promise to provide these products. Right, okay. Um, because obviously they're going to need to be able to monitor the need. And if we're still providing some products, it's going to yeah. skew what, what they're providing. Um, I think the only concern that we still perhaps have, and I know a lot of the coordinators have, is what is actually going to be provided through these funded yeah. products. So we're really careful to put in our boxes a really good range of kind of absorbencies and sizes and the the free uh, the pants, the spare pants as yeah. well. And we're not sure if it's going to literally be like one kind of pad, one kind of tampon, yeah. no underwear. And is it actually going to not help everyone yeah. as well as it could do? Yeah, because one size doesn't fit all. Your period changes from month to month mm-hmm. of the type of um, product that you need and the absorbency. So, so yeah, it's kind of getting an understanding of the the type of product that they're mm-hmm. they're they're going to be because there might there might still be a need to have that extra assistance. Um, because have they thought about looking at bringing it outside of schools as well of kind of places that they can go to outside of the school to be able to kind of help if they need anything outside of like just that sort of age bracket that, yeah. that might need help when they're when they're not in school and I guess that's where the where the need still is in the community mm-hmm. and where there are a lot of other brilliant organizations already supporting the community um, and that need will still be there um so obviously there's a, a lot of young people go to like youth groups or um in scouts and guides for example yeah um, and all of those locations are places that could and, and we've we've provided boxes to community groups before um because that's where the young people are mm-hmm. um so the need is still going to be there and obviously it's not just about the school age girls as well i mean there's adult women of all ages that are going to have this same need yeah um and the, the the means to support them is is there in some cases in some organizations um so we've started to link up with something called the hygiene bank right which you may or may not have heard of um and it's similar in uh, principle to the food bank except it's kind of toiletries and hygiene products and sanitary products right okay um so 
I think uh, the the means to support the community is going to come from something like that. So that that is newly established in Newcastle as well. And I've been able to have a chat with them about moving on some of our donation points to them. Yeah. Um, and they're going to collect all sorts of toiletries. So not just for women, so for men as well and right. for all ages. So you're looking at um, things like toothpaste and shower gel and all sorts of things that you would take for granted mm-hmm. in general, but are also difficult for people to pay for if they're struggling to get by. Yeah. So that means it's going to be there to support the community. And I'm going to try and help make sure that the goodwill that we've built up through the Red Box project isn't lost when we're gone. Yes. Um, and that people who still want to help are able to still use the donation points and yeah. just provide more different products. Yeah. Because I think if, you, if you're in that position and, and you're going to, um, to buy something for yourself and you, you have the, the the means to be able to help the charity um, and different charities and, and the, the, the Red Box project of just buying that extra box. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, Does supermarkets help at all with having donation places in supermarkets? The, the Most of the big supermarkets you will find have got food bank donation points already. Yeah. Some of them will have um, like animal shelter donation points for like pet food, which is also great. Um, however, in my experience of trying to get a specific red box donation point put in it was like i came up with uh, quite a few barriers as to why they couldn't put an extra donation point in right and um, we already have this and this we can't have another one right even though if you can imagine somewhere as big as kingston park tesco not having room for like another little yeah basket it's different as well bank. it's not like two different dog charities are coming to try and have donations exactly it's, it's a completely different type of donation mm-hmm. just like a christmas when they have the toy donations it just needs to be that that different box yeah. there that people can see as they're going to walk around and go oh I'll, I'll buy an extra box of tampons mm-hmm. and and put it in the in the box but if it, if it helps people when they're out shopping the food bank will still take donations of um, sanitary products and toiletries as well right so just because there isn't a separate donation point for something like that you can still put something like that in the food bank collection point and it will find a good home right so if that's helpful for people to know yeah, that's that they really can good still to know. Because people get quite used now to donating to the food bank, I think. If yeah. you're picking up an extra packet of pasta or a few tins, just pick up some toiletries as well once in a while and that will also fulfil that need and it will get to people who need it. So social media has been quite big in building up the profile of the Redbox project. Uh, and you're active on Instagram and uh, the Redbox project has is, is got some really good following. How do you see social media with, with helping with the, with the cause? Um, it's been a fantastic way to connect with people, Twitter in particular, which I know some people are loath to use too much, but from a kind of networking point of view, um, to get the word out about the charity and kind of approach people, it's been really helpful because um, most of the schools have got their own Twitter accounts and you can now mention them, say, I've just dropped another box off at such and such and it helps them, their followers and the parents of the kids there to see what's what's happening at the school. Um, and it's been able, it's enabled me to kind of put appeals out and get them to be shared. And it's helped attract the attention of uh, the city councillors, for example, which is how I got in at the, at the council. So, um, it's an invaluable tool really to try and get the word out there. And then Instagram, um, the Redbox project kind of HQ team are really active on Instagram. So if you, um, uh, try and find them on there, then there's loads of good content that they're sharing to help people um, find projects in their own areas that they mm-hmm. can support for as long as we're still going. But um, if anybody um, wants to find out a bit more about the free periods, maybe there's hashtag free periods, um, there'll be loads of stuff on there from the different organisations that are working in the area. Yeah, um, You can learn a little bit more about what each of them do. Some of them are national, some of them are more local in different areas, but everyone's doing their kind of own little bit of it yeah and and together that's been quite a powerful kind of social movement that's built up from that 
And what sort of feedback are you getting um, with regards to the the young women that you're that you're helping? Are they getting involved themselves? Kind of have they told you stories about about how the, the how the project helped them? We've had some lovely feedback from the schools that have got the boxes, um, just to say how uh, how helpful it is and how it is being used, and how the girls are really grateful when they when they realise that they can have this stuff mm-hmm. for free. Um, and it, it it's a lovely feeling to know that you are helping people and getting that feedback. Um, and I think it's just, it, it's sad in a way that it's it's needed, but it's it's lovely to know that it's it's making a difference to those girls. Yeah, definitely. Because it is, it, it can really affect your, your, your mental health. And, and I know how, how bad it is being a teenager and, and needing all the, the best stuff. And I, I can't imagine being a teenager in this day and age yeah, of the, the age of social media and, <laughs> yeah. and having to, to, to sort of do, go through all of that. But I guess social media, that is where all the girls are as well. Mm-hmm. So kind of being able to see and, and hopefully that generation of being able to, to talk about periods a lot more and and open up the conversation um and they can see that there there is help that they can have and they they don't need to kind of worry if if they're not in a position that 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 they can be helped yeah and the more they see that conversation on social media the more it normalizes it for them um and there's some great organizations now that will provide resources or even come and do talks and stuff in school so that they can um uh try and encourage that conversation um and it is all about normalizing it to remove the stigma of it and the fact that they can kind of uh, share the stuff that's being put out there with each other and say, have you seen this? Look at this. And they can do their selfies and, and stuff when they're um, getting the red box put in and things yeah. like that. So it's just it's it's all about just getting it out there, removing the taboo and, and encouraging people to talk about it a bit more. Yeah, definitely. So what do you see sort of your future with regards to volunteering so as you go through the the red box project is there other other projects and other things that you're passionate about that you you want to get involved in i think it's um it certainly opened my eyes to the scale um of volunteering and the necessity for people to do it because without volunteers red box wouldn't have even got off the ground and now it's this kind of national behemoth that is just kind of single-handedly you want not single-handedly that's taking too much credit <laughs> but being a part of a massive movement that's really yeah. made a difference and has actually influenced a government funding decision which is massive yeah um so the power of volunteering is huge and the the benefit of it is fantastic and it gives you that lovely kind of warm feeling that you're doing something as well which is great um i think i, I would certainly still like to continue supporting the uh the community aspect of, of the the poverty so that's obviously been such a part of it and it really opens your eyes to the need that's out there and mm-hmm. I think once it comes to an end if I just step back from it completely I, we, I, I wouldn't feel right about it yeah so I think something um to continue supporting the hygiene bank could be fantastic um but I think I, I'm kind of ready to to move on to something else and I don't know what that is yet but yeah. I think once I'm finished with this it doesn't uh it wouldn't feel right to just stop helping at all I mean it's a huge extra drain on your time but I've got the luxury of having that time and yeah and having that to give um so I think anyone that has that extra half an hour each week just to do something yeah that can be all it takes yeah definitely and I, I'm a, a big advocate for for that and I personally um have been looking into that a lot more um with wanting to do uh, more volunteering and, and getting involved with sort of smaller charities and things mm-hmm. that um especially to do with mental health and um th- things that 
there are those taboo subjects of, of not wanting to uh, to talk about uh, and I'd kind of love to to get involved with with more things so it's kind of putting it out to people to that that you can just a couple of hours a week mm-hmm. and, and and kind of help help people uh in your local community yeah it's and not all of, about large charities it's yeah, exactly. like looking at your local community a lot of smaller charities will be hugely grateful for anything you can offer them and especially if you've got a specific skill that you can offer so if um say that they need some help developing their facebook page for example like how many people could give some time just to help a small charity grow their Facebook page. Yeah. That's not a huge drain on any of our time, yeah. really, is it? If you've got that ability to do it. Um, and it could be that you, you're putting aside a certain amount of time a week to actually go physically somewhere and do something, but you can equally do loads of, op- of opportunities from home. Yeah. It just depends on what they need and they will need a vast array of support. Mm-hmm. Um, if There's a really good website called Do It, which ha- often has kind of lists of um, volunteering opportunities. So you can filter it by area that you're interested in yeah, um, so that you can see what's available locally. Um, and then you kind of apply for them almost like applying for a job and yeah. you kind of register your interest in it. Um, and then the volunteering centre in town, it's based in Commercial Union House, which is next to Stack. Oh, um, right, okay, Street. Yeah. So it's that horrible old office building that goes over the road opposite Townside Cinema. <laughs> But um, yeah, there's um, the volunteering centre is based in there and they've been amazing support to Redbox. So they've taken in loads of donations when I haven't been able to go and collect them from elsewhere. Yeah. They've gone and got them um, and they're kind of holding it for me until I can go and pick them up. Um, and they've also been able to distribute some of the excess product that I haven't been able to use to make sure that it goes out to other charities yeah. and organizations in the community so they're really well plugged into where the local need is so mm-hmm. again if if you can you can google them and they're on um, they've got a website as well that you can look at any support you can give to them would be fantastic as well yeah no it is it's 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 fantastic that the, there's things out there that that are helping people because I, re- I remember being at school when I was that age there was there was nothing mm-hmm. talked about there was nothing available it, it it wasn't anything it just happened and you didn't discuss it and and that was it and um and that's kind of leads into your, your adult life where you, you, we are still all hiding our tampons and like scared to tell people that oh yeah well I'm on my period like I would never walk into work and kind of be like oh, like I'd feel a bit sick today because I'm on my period like you, you would never say on, that know, wouldn't they yeah. <laughs> you would just never say it so it's uh it's it's everyone needs to start having these conversations and and talking about it um not just the kind of younger generations um it just needs to be something that we all that we all just normalize a little bit because no one would be on this planet if it wasn't for, exactly. for periods. Exactly. It's, it's nature. It's it's what needs to happen. So uh, so yeah, it's um it's fantastic that these these projects are and if they can help um young people with with their mental health in in any sort of way mm-hmm. and and have that that sort of better quality of life um when it comes to the period then then it's a it's a, it's a fantastic cause so yeah so i definitely say to anyone to to donate while the while the can while while, while it's here hopefully yeah, but the need will still be there so even once yeah. redbox is gone if they, if you want to follow us on um twitter redbox newcastle um or i'm on instagram great north mum i never set up a separate instagram for redbox so it's just uh but you can contact me on there um so even once redbox is done and dusted mm-hmm. um i'll be able to signpost you to other places that you can support if you if you're really keen to help in some way yeah um the need will not go away yeah um and if anything it might increase um as we go into the next 
unknown political period. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? Is is that there's the country's so kind of unstable at the minute that um unfortunately people more and more people are relying on on food banks and um needing that help from from their local community because the government isn't isn't given that help and uh there's a, there's a stigma around people that need that help as well which is really sad so um so, so charities like this and projects like this are, are, are kind of ideal for people yes and i think there's there's quite a bit of attention around universal credit in particular so mm. the benefit system as it currently is not being the best support for people who need it the most um, and the way that it works is really putting people into some difficult situations mm. um and it's just um it's a really difficult thing to try and tackle when it's like a major kind of government policy to mm -hmm. operate in this way and there's not an awful lot that many of us on the ground can do about it other than try and pick up the pieces when things are going wrong yeah. um, and people ended up in in terrible poverty even while they're in work so in work poverty is a massive issue now so people on kind of zero hour contracts mm -hmm. and minimum wage not even living wage and barely getting by trying to support a family mm -hmm. um it, it's a real problem and the kind of unemployment rate saying so many people are now in work and isn't this fantastic people aren't earning enough in their yes. work to yeah. to actually get by it's a statistic isn't it it's saying oh well they're on a zero hours contract they're technically employed so that means that the employment mm -hmm. rate has gone up but that's not the case because people aren't actually earning the money from that employment that they need to be able to live and exactly and to be and, able to buy know, things those of you with small children myself included will know the cost of childcare. Um, and for some people, working isn't a cost-effective option. If they're mm -hmm. going to have to pay for childcare to be at work and they're going to end up more out of pocket, then there's no point in them working. Yeah. Um, and then for them to have to try and claim benefits, they've got to jump through so many hoops to try and get some money to live off. It's yeah. just, it's a no-win situation for some people. Yeah. Um, and it's really difficult to put yourself in those shoes if you're from a position of relative privilege, mm -hmm. which I think is why some people try and struggle to understand why they can't afford a packet of sanitary towels. Yeah. You know, they think it doesn't cost very much, but it's if you've got a fiver a week to to live off for food, yeah. like spending a couple of quid on a packet of good quality pads is well beyond your reach. Yeah, exactly. And and if your period can last up to seven days and for hygiene reasons, you need to be 24 hours a day, you need to be regularly changing your sanitary products. So it does build up that cost over that week and that week is every month. So it, it is something that, that really does build up and... That that's something that I've never been able to get my head around is, is the fact that like there's VAT on sanitary mm -hmm. products mm -hmm. and that it's classed as a as a luxury. Yeah. Um and it's just it's that just it baffles my yeah. mind that it's like sanitary products are classed as a luxury mm -hmm. because you've got no control no. over having your period. It's a it's a it's a natural thing, it's a it's a good thing. It shows that your body's healthy, that you that you're having your period. And it's classed as a luxury, so it, it's not subsidised in any way nope. by the government or or anyone. And uh, the cost difference of the, the the branded products and the kind of your supermarket products um, is is crazy. Of kind of the quality between them, and um, it it is just a money making yeah, yeah, thing on on something that is natural that women have absolutely no control over so um it's it's crazy and I, and I was saying before about why can't they just buy like the value mm -hmm. pads the kind of widest range of products is only available at the biggest supermarket so if you went up to the big tesco or big asda or whatever 
you'd have that option to buy some cheap ones. However, you've got to be able to get there in the first place. So if people live a bus ride away from a big supermarket Mm -hmm. and they don't have a car, even paying the bus fare to get there is not worth the effort for them. That's a big stretch for them to have to pay that bus fare in order to go and buy some cheap food or some cheap sanitary products in this case. So if you go in like the little... um, like little Tesco petrol stations, for example, the little Tesco Express, they'll have a couple of options in there, but they'll be like £2.50, £3 a pack. Mm-hmm. So local to where they are, they've got to pay through the nose to get, they can't have the option of having the cheaper ones. Yeah. So they're in a no-win situation again. It's like they can't get to where they need to go to buy the cheap ones in the first yeah. place. So yeah. saying, why can't you just buy the cheap ones? It's not It's not as simple as that. Yeah, We can all imagine just jumping in the car and going there and it's not a problem, but for a lot of these girls it's not an option yeah definitely and I think that that's why the the free period movement is so good because it does lobby for all women mm-hmm. um and adults and and um, adolescents to to try and help with that with that burden of of the the products that we need to be able to um to to have healthy periods yeah. so what's your opinions on kind of the way that things are changing now and and how the types of products are changing to be more sustainable yeah. um, and kind of the the, the menstrual cups and mm-hmm. kind of things like that. Kind of what's your what's your opinions around them? It's, that's really interesting from a red box perspective because we get a lot of questions about can't you just provide cups or moon cups or whatever yeah. for all for all these girls? Um, and the red box stance has always been we've got to provide what's kind of the most suitable products and what's most fit for purpose for that age group in their situation. Yeah. So to start using a menstrual cup takes a little bit of confidence, yes. takes somebody to kind of explain it to you properly and for you to be able to have the the know-how and the facilities to be able to look after it properly and to use it properly and to expect a teenager without with kind of questionable home support um, to have to learn how to use one properly kind of get it out and wash it in the school toilets, Mm -hmm. maybe not have somewhere at home that they can wash it and and be um, kind of open about it at home. It's, it's not the best solution for girls in that situation. Yeah. Um, it, it takes an element of confidence to use one in the first place. Yeah, I know because it's something that I've wanted to look into to mm-hmm. to just be that bit more sustainable and and kind of the environment and and, and everything. Um, and even I've put it off. Of yeah. Kind of like, oh, I just I can't. Me too. I can't face yeah. trying to work out how how you it stick works. with what you know. Or, don't yeah, you? exactly. It's just it's easy. Use tampons for the last six, seventeen years, or mm-hmm. however long it is. Um, and and that's what you know, but. Uh, it it is good in a way that these products are, are starting to be developed and, and a lot of people use them and, and they work what they work wonders for them. To. Yeah. That's the key. Uh, but it's uh, you you're completely right at that at that age, if someone had handed me that, I I would have just been like, What? Mm-hmm. I've got yeah, to what is this? Yeah. Collect the no, I'm not doing that. That's not happening. I've got to wash it. What? Um because you're not the, the most sort of switched on when you're a teenager you just do whatever's easiest and quickest and And it's the same with because you can get the washable pads as well the reusable a bit like kind of washable nappies but yeah (laughs) you know which are fantastic again but you've got to assume that they've got the proper washing facilities at home to be able to wash them at a high enough temperature and you know you can't just kind of rinse them through in the under the tap they've got to be properly hot washed to make sure that they're um kept hygienic so you can't assume that they've got the ability to 
do that at home either. Yeah. So it's it's really difficult to kind of get that balance between wanting to be kind of environmentally conscious, mm -hmm. but also provide for their specific needs. Yeah. Um, and it's not really up to the teachers in the schools to have to show a girl how no. to use a menstrual cup. It's just, unfortunately, um, the, the need outweighs the kind of ethics of it, if you yeah. like. Yeah, um, for that age group, yeah, definitely. I think... Uh, I think pads are, are a, a good way to, to to start off and to understand your period and kind of what you need to what you need to do and and, and especially for the primary school girls yeah. of which there are many who yeah. will be in that situation and you can't really expect a ten year old to have to use learn to use something like that yeah and to kind it's of not appropriate that yeah um but but you hear these awful stories of um what well, girls and and women as well having to kind of make do with what they can. When they don't have anything at all, yeah, um, or like using a using a tampon for way longer than you you should do yeah. safely because they've only got so many left to last them, yeah, um, or things that happen to use like literally like old socks or bits of newspaper and things that you can't ever imagine having to resort to, but yeah. that's what that's what some adult women are using in order to make sure that their their teenage daughters have got the the proper products so they're yeah. kind of getting by. And as a parent, you kind of think, well, you you would do it, everything to make sure yeah. that you, your kids had what they need and you would go without yourself. But why should anyone have to go without and have to suffer that indignity of having to use newspaper? As a, yeah. It's, just... it's like, it, it, I can't even imagine. Like, it, it's, I think it was only, and this is t terrible on my part, but it was probably only a year or so ago that I kind of acknowledged in my head that homeless women have have periods yes and it was crazy that it was just kind of like what 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 did they do it was you never even as a woman I never I never thought mm -hmm. of that so I mean if if I'm not thinking about it then there's there's lots of people that aren't helping people in that situation so that's why charities and, and projects yeah. that that and the free uh period movement is going to help because you can't think of anything worse than than already having that struggle of being mm -hmm. homeless and, and dealing with a period, having your period as well. And, and there are some amazing charities that do support the the, the homeless population. Um, so the, there is support there for them. But yeah. it, it's like even just experiencing it whilst being on the street must be unimaginable. Yeah. No, I mean it's 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 fantastic work that that they're doing and 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 what the the Red Box project is doing, um, and I think that uh, we just need to all talk about periods a lot more and and not not be worried about it and kind of get rid of that stigma, um, so that young girls are more likely to to ask for help mm -hmm. because that's probably the the that some things can be available to them, but if they're too scared or too embarrassed to ask for help, uh, then the, the, there's not much you can you can do. It's, so it's it's needing to get that that chat up and, and yeah. talking about your period and tell everyone about your first period and mm -hmm. tell your daughters about your first period and it's not embarrassing. It's 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 just something that everyone everyone should talk about. Yeah, and I think especially for um, parents of young kids, boys and girls, when you feel it's appropriate to start talking to them about that then do and make sure that like see I, I've got two boys so my boys are eight and three and I would still say that they would be too young to well the three-year-old obviously but even <laughs> at eight it still feels like he wouldn't be ready to to get his head around what a period is uh -huh. yeah I always have my box of tampons like on full show when I'm using them yeah and like they've never really asked what they are or anything but if they were to ask I think I'd, it, it would be responsible of me to try and explain what I needed them for, even if yeah. they couldn't fully understand yeah. 
in great detail what it what it meant but just yeah. to say that it's something that that ladies have to have to go through every month and it just means that you bleed for a little bit and it doesn't mean that I'm hurt or anything it's just a natural part of being a grown-up woman yeah and get them to kind of understand in those simple terms um without having to go into too much detail about what it means yeah <laughs> the biology yeah. yeah the biology of it all yeah um so I think I don't know I I don't know how much uh, they kind of acknowledge the differences between uh, mummy and daddy at this <laughs> at this age, but I think my three year old's quite keen on poking me in the boob quite a lot. And, just, <laughs> I, my, and he and he looks down at his own chest and he kind of like he'll go like I haven't got these. What are, what are these? So there's that kind of natural curiosity that kids have, and yeah. you can kind of just. Be open to that yeah. and not not make them embarrassed about about talking about bodies or any of their mm-hmm. functions. Yeah, def- uh, even at an early age, definitely. it makes it less scary for them when yeah. they get a bit bigger. Have it as a as a as a conversation. If you're hiding something and you're feeling ashamed of something, that's gonna. Well, I mean, I don't have kids, but I'm guessing that's going to rub off on on the kids. Mm-hmm. But if it's an it's an open discussion and an open conversation, then then they'll grow up and understand that it's just a normal thing to to talk about, whether it's a boy or whether it's a girl or how, how what, whatever situation gender wise, it's just a normal a normal thing that that, that we talk about. I kind of feel like I'm going to have to. <laughs> I've got a, a bit lucky in that I'm not going to have to deal with my own daughters having periods because I'm not I'm not going to have any more kids. So I'm not going to have any girls. So it's not something I'm actually going to have to deal with. Yeah. But getting the boys to appreciate that girls are having this happen to them and to not think that it's something to be, uh, to think that it's horrible or and that, to understand that it's normal and anything that happens with our bodies is normal. Yeah. Then that's an important thing that I can do for them. Yeah. To respect girls and what they have to go through. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been great. And I, I wanted to speak to more sort of non-profits and, and people that are helping in the local community and, and period poverty is and talking about periods is something that I'm I'm passionate about and and that like I've said that needs to be talked about a lot more. So thank you for coming on and I hope everyone listening will either buy that extra box of tampons and um or pads and and find the the, the place to donate them or if needs be donate them to the food bank and, and just any sort of way to to help um your your local school or your or, or anyone and just open the discussion about periods so thank you for coming on and, and and joining me in this discussion yeah thank you for the opportunity uh just yeah definitely my plea to people is just to think what they can do to support their community in whatever way that is and it could be about helping your own school or buying that extra packet of pads whatever you can do is is better than nothing um, yeah and it'll give you that lovely warm feeling inside to know that you're helping people who really really need it thank you so much thank you how interesting and informative was that thank you so much jenny for coming on and adding to the conversation about period poverty and the free period movement the red box project is doing amazing work so please help where you can all episodes of the Life Bath podcast also have an accompanying blog post on thelifebath.com with information and links to all our guests' social media and websites and also put any reference to links discussed in the episode. So head over to thelifebath.com now for everything Jenny referenced and all of her links. And thank you for reaching the end of another amazing episode. So please tweet me and message me and remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast where you can. As usual, thank you to Tom from Twinwood Sounds for editing and producing this podcast. And thank you to Bradley Parsons for the music. You can find Bradley on the website Fiverr 
And thank you again to my amazing guest, Jenny. See you all soon. Bye.